The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Good morning. It's Monday, the 17th of July in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. Coming up today, China's economy grows more slowly than expected as calls for stimulus grow. Vanguard's global expansion gets bogged down and UK home sellers are cutting asking prices as rising mortgage costs push off buyers. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. China's economy grew more slowly than expected in the second quarter. GDP rose by 6.3% from a year prior, weaker than the median forecast of 7.1% from economists that were surveyed by Bloomberg. But Standard Chartered's Greater China and North Asia chief economist Jing Shuang says that he still doesn't expect any major intervention from Beijing. From the policy point of view, as long as uh, the growth target can be reached, uh, the authorities may just uh, rule out targeted and measured stimulus instead of uh, blanket and uh, strong stimulus. Ding Shuang's comments reflect that Beijing has set a moderate GDP growth target of around 5% for this year. Markets expect the economy to achieve this even in the face of growing challenges, including possible deflation, falling exports and a property sector in crisis. The U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says that it's premature to eliminate tariffs imposed on China by the Trump administration. Yellen says that while the U.S. should look for ways to further de-escalate tensions, the U.S. is still completing a four-year review of trade tariffs. Perhaps over time this is an area where we could make progress, but I would say it's premature to use this as an area for de-escalation, at least at this time. And coming up later on Bloomberg Radio, our colleague Anne-Marie Hordern will be speaking exclusively to the US Trade Secretary, Janet Yellen. So you can catch that interview live right here on Bloomberg Radio at 10 past one. The UK has signed a treaty to join the Asia-focused CPTPP Trade Pact. Business and Trade Secretary Kemi Badenoch has defended the deal, despite the government's own estimates suggesting that it will add just 0.08% to the size of the UK economy. Badenoch was also forced to concede that a UK-US trade deal is not on the cards. The U.S. is not carrying out any free trade agreements with any country, so I would say very low. It all depends on the administration that's there. Different presidents have different priorities. Lots of countries have been looking to have a free trade agreement with the U.S., including us. But for now, they've said that that's not something that they want to do, and we need to respect that. 
Those comments from the UK Business and Trade Secretary come as a new forecast suggests that Britain's economic growth will fall further behind the euro area next year. A monthly survey of economists by Bloomberg forecasts a UK, UK GDP rate of six-tenths of 1% in 2024. That's well below the 1% gain that is estimated for the eurozone. It's a household name in America. But asset manager Vanguard is largely unknown in Europe. Bloomberg's Chris Pitt has more on how the pioneer of passive investing has failed to translate. It's a giant, managing more than $7.5 trillion of assets for 30 million people. But only 4% of those assets are in Europe. A number of former employees told Bloomberg the company has struggled to adapt to a different business culture, and that matters. Vanguard's business model relies on vast assets allowing paper-thin fees. However, the firm says momentum is building. The 300 billion Vanguard has amassed in Europe is plenty, they say, to scale the business. In London, Chris Pitt, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. And Bloomberg's asset management reporter, Lukia Gifdopoulou, will be joining me for more on the Vanguard story at 7.40am, so a little later on the programme. Meanwhile, Europe is bracing for another severe heat wave this week due to a weather system from the Sahara. Bob Ward is from the Grantham Research Institute on Climate Change and explains what's causing it. The Mediterranean is experiencing, southern Europe in particular, is a so-called heat dome. And this is where a high-pressure system arcs itself over an area and traps in hot temperatures over an extended period. Temperatures are expected to rise across Italy with a potential peak of 46 degrees on the island of Sardinia, according to forecasts. Spain has also issued an extreme risk alert for the Andalusia region in the south. Europe had the warmest summer on record last year, contributing to over 60,000 deaths across 35 countries. And lastly, sellers on the UK property market have cut their asking prices for the first time this year. Property search portal Rightmove says that the average asking price dropped by two-tenths of one percent in July. But their director of property science and innovation, Tim Bannister, says that a lack of properties for sale is helping to stabilise the market. What we're seeing is demand remaining high compared to a, a normal year, well, compared to 3, 3% above a normal year, so heading back towards a sort of a normal year time of rate. Certainly not seeing a glut supply is about 12% below where it was in 2019. So when you look at demand per property, again, that's above where it was in 2019 by about 20 plus percent. So Tim Bannister there, Right Moves Director of Property Science and Innovation, speaking to us here on Bloomberg Radio a little earlier this morning. Those are a few of our top stories. Uh, in terms of what uh, you've been interested in, though, um, the MLive Pulse Survey got a lot of respondents this week, 630 global contributors, because it's all been about Tesla. Skeptics pushing back after this year's huge $500 billion rally in the EV maker's stock price. A lot of the participants, a lot of you who contributed, are concerned about the risk of more competition. That apparently the biggest issue uh, for Elon Musk's Tesla, 54% of people said it was rivals sort of catching up with the EV technology that are the biggest risk for Tesla over the next couple of years. But a big chunk, a quarter, 25.6% also say 
that it's the mercurial decisions and the behaviour of Elon Musk himself that are, big, are the biggest concern for Tesla shareholders. I mean, it's had quite an amazing rally, 128% uh, for, for the rally um, this year in Tesla shares. So no surprise then that a lot of participants are thinking about what may be coming uh, next for Tesla and what may um, be the biggest challenges for the business ahead. Let's return, though, to our top story this morning around China's economy. So it did grow more slowly than was expected in the second quarter. Chinese GDP came in at 6.3%. The expectation from a survey of economists by Bloomberg was 7.1%. Joining us now is Bloomberg's China economist, David Kug. David, good morning. Thanks so much for being with me. Um, it's been a pretty tricky recovery. I mean, 6.3% is the envy, would be the envy of Europe, let alone the UK. But it is for China, a very tricky recovery. Why has it been so difficult? Yeah, I think um, if you read only the number, that means uh, the 6.3 is a very good number. But we have to consider that it was based on the very low base year, year earlier uh, because of the lockdown in Shanghai. So uh, and uh, uh, people were uh, actually expecting something about 7 and we expected 7.8% uh, year-on-year growth for the Tokyo GDP. So that you can see it is, it is disappointed. And uh, in our view, the main reason was the weakness in the consumption side. Uh, if you look at the, today's data, you would see that the uh, retail sales was uh, quite below the expectation. And mm. uh, although the production side was still uh, kind of resilient, so this told us that the um, you know because the uh, the consumption side has been the the factor leading the post COVID recovery in the past several months, and now the weakness with the weakening consumption uh, now raised the concern that whether the ongoing recovery can be uh, sustainable in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of retail sales, that, that uh, growth slowed to 3.1% year on year in June. Um, David, do you think that we will see more stimulus? This is the huge question for markets, perhaps fiscal spending to boost demand in China. Um, yeah, actually, we are, uh, be even before the data came out, we have uh, uh, tweaked our uh, forecast for the, uh, for the policy side. And we now think the PBOC can car rate twice uh, in the second half of this year. Uh, and also we see the possibility for the uh, government to increase uh, or to make better use of the unused uh, local government debt quota. So it, was, it should be similar as um, last year if they use it. So that you can see that we expected uh, more active uh, stimulus from both the monetary and the, the fiscal side. But one thing I have to address here is that um, even we have a stronger investment from the government, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, a, a, a stronger consumption because the, the consumption in the household has been, you know, uh, the, the losing steam was uh, quicker and earlier than what we expected. So it, it must tell something. Okay, that's interesting. So then how real do you think the prospect of deflation is for China? Well, we see the risk uh, actually uh, at the corner. Uh, because last month, we saw the CPI year on year zero. And uh, the deflation in the PPI side already uh, existed for several months. So that we are only uh, just a step from the uh, full deflation. And we cannot mm. 
excluded the risk. And if it is the case, uh, we would see that um, the, the, the companies or the business will suffer from that uh, because the inflation is quite related to their profitability. Yeah, absolutely. David Kug, thank you so much for being with me this morning. Bloomberg's China economist there, taking us through the latest China GDP data. Thank you so much. Coming up next, too many university students are sold a false dream and Alcaraz snatches the Wimbledon crown from record-chasing Djokovic. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. The Paper Review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans joins me this morning for a look through the newspapers, starting with The Telegraph. The headline, too many uni students are sold a false dream. Who says that? Rishi Sunak says this, Caroline. He's been writing in The Telegraph and he's pretty blunt and he's going to put it simply. He says our young people are being ripped off. Rishi Sunak says students are being saddled with tens and thousands of pounds of debt from bad degrees and they just leave them poorer, basically, when they enter the workplace. And he is arguing that apprenticeships or other vocational routes are as important as going to university. And according to the Institute for Fiscal Studies, one in five graduates in this very country, so about 70,000 every year, would be better off financially if they'd actually gone over to uni. So Rishi Sunak is announcing plans for a crackdown on what he calls these rip-off degrees, as well as saying some uni will see student numbers capped. Mm. He's going to be speaking later today. He's going to attend a school. And he's also really saying, you know, this false dream is not a good thing to sell because education yeah. is absolutely vital. I know, but I just question whether using the words ripped off is is great, um, given the kind of state of universities. We've had a lot of lecturers on strike and worried about, uh, you know, poor pay for certainly you know, kind of amongst the lower ranks of, of university teachers um, and also, you know, the idea that the UK has got a massive skills problem. So how, how do we sort of solve that? Anyway, very interesting. But Caroline, we yeah. also have some of the world leading universities yes, here. We must remember indeed. that. We've got Cambridge, Oxford, lots of other universities and it's been a real hub for international students to come here yeah. because there's such an allure to come to our big universities to study. Education is still pivotal. Yeah, no, uh, indeed. Um, 
And that is a very interesting point. And meanwhile, the Times talks about drug firms and their plea to rejoin Horizon. Caroline, yes, this has been really bubbling under the surface for the last three mm. months. We've heard a lot about Horizon. Now, British biggest pharmaceutical companies want the government to rejoin, rejoin the 95.5 billion euro Horizon Europe research project. Mm. It's basically a collaboration. Now, the Times says there's real growing frustration in the scientific community over the delays to the UK signing this up. AstraZeneca, the FTSE 100 company, says it's so important for the UK to take this step because it will make it an attractive place for life sciences. Life sciences. Yeah. GSK, Britain's biggest second biggest farmer completely agreeing with this. They want to join Horizon to push things forward. Do you remember Britain, Caroline, before Brexit, was a leading player in Horizon, but they've been shut out of this, but people want For back years. in. Yeah, shut and out. And that's the problem. No, and it's all about the wrangling about how much the UK puts in um, and how much it gets out in terms of the projects that are then funded out of uh, Europe. No, AstraZeneca's already put its money where its mouth is, though for example it has put um is uh, going to put a big lab in ireland rather than in the north of england so you know there's worry about whether those voices are being um taken seriously but listen something <laughs> lighter from the weekend were you watching the action at wimbledon the ft has alcara snatching the wimbledon crown from uh, Djokovic. yeah it was a real thriller one mm. for the books caroline <laughs> it took almost five hours to complete but carlos alcaraz is a new wimbledon champion that's after he did beat novak Djokovic in that thrilling five set final lots of people were like no idea how it's going to end when it's going to end the world number one is the youngest men's winner at the all England tennis club since Boris Becker in 1986 36 years ago Alcaraz did allude to the fact he's so much younger than Novak Djokovic <laughs> he was still not even born when Djokovic well, was that, yeah. in, he mentioned it in yeah, his speech at the end and that sort of got some uh, some laughs but, from know, the crowd Caroline I was just watching the speech at the end there and yeah. what sportsmanship both men so great towards each other new blood coming into the top ranks of tennis this is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepgood. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.